The goal of business is to serve others to the glory of God. And the goal of the church is to serve others to the glory of God. It is exactly the same goal. So there were, in 1100, 1120 A.D., to be exact, there were a couple of merchants. <laughs> How do you know that? Well, it's history. It's, you can find it. I actually find all this stuff on the scripture. And, the, and these two merchants, you know, it's pretty hard to call them merchants. I'm sure you've been in third world countries where along the side of the road, the guy has a couple of cinder blocks, a piece of wood, and he's showing vegetables, you know, on, on the side of the road and you buy vegetables from this guy, that's the kind of merchant these people were. And they tended that all of the merchants that were grocers tended to be in the same area of town. And this was a sleepy backwater town in Europe, you know, which you know, had nothing to recommend it. Europe was the big action theater. You know, this, kind of, this town had been run over by different hordes from different places, you know, and they were, did very little. And upriver from them was, this, was the castle where the nobles lived, where the, the heads of the church lived. And they were living, you know, a life that was very sequestered. They'd send people out to buy the vegetables and other things. Well, these two men, they, they got together and they said, you know, we, we really want to serve God. And who knows, but the Holy Spirit put it in their hearts to say this to each other. And they said, you know, what is it that we could do that could serve God? Well, in the marketplace, they had, you know, all the grocers were in the same place. And they all had little signs that they'd put up saying, you know, apples, penny a pound. Penny a pound. Cost them a penny a pound to buy them, to bring them in. But they, you know... They're very competitive, one with each other, right across from each other. So they said, we want to, and oh, how do they make money? It's very simple. They had dishonest weights and dishonest measures. So if you wanted to buy flour, you got what was a cup slightly short of a real cup. So they made some money. And everybody knew it. Everybody knew that's the way it worked. You know, so these two guys said, well, we want to use honest weights and measures because we want to be honest before God. You know, they had no other plan. And they said, tell you what, look, at any time, you can come over and check my field, and my, my operation, and check my weights and measures. And you can do that to me. Why? Because I don't trust myself. I need to be accountable to somebody. You know, I need somebody that will help me believe this. And so they said, okay, we're going to pack. Now, why would this be a big deal? Because in those days, when you failed to pay your bills, you were sent to prison. It was there was great room for prison ministry, by the way. But, but here, these people were in in poverty, and the only way to get out was to die in prison. And you had a family, so this was a do all or nothing. It was either going to win or fail. And yet they they said we got to do this, and they went to the off of the market the next day. And of course, if it cost them a pound, it cost them a penny per pound. How can they sell them for a penny a pound? Well, they said, we'll have to sell it for a penny and a half or a penny point two cents a pound. So we make a little profit. Well, you think about the people that are coming to buy. They're going, look at those guys. They're not only cheating us, but they're charging more. Why would I ever buy from them? And that was the dilemma for them. What do we do? But you know that 
God is God. And he gave them a certain amount of favor. And by the end of the day, they'd done very well. They couldn't believe it. And they continued to do well. Even though the other guys were charging a lower price, they were getting all the business. And people came over and said, what are you doing that's causing you to be successful like this? said, well, we've just got an agreement. And that is that we're going to be honest. We use honest weights and measures. And he said, well, can we do what you're doing? I said, well, sure. But you have to agree to join us and do what we do. And we have the right at any time to come over and check your weights. Oh, oh, check our weights. Yeah, that's right. You know, and, and over time, they created a number of rules. They actually ended up with 144 rules. You know, so the fishmongers came over and they said, you guys, you're all doing well. Why is it that everybody's doing well over here and we're suffering? said, well, you know, we've decided to glorify God in all that we're doing because, you know, and we started with honest weights and measures. Well, could we do that? Yeah, sure. But you gotta, you got to make sure that each one of you does what you say you're going to do. That's all part of the deal. They did. The gold makers, the gold workers did the same thing. The bakers did the same thing. You know, and this went on to a point where we had, they recognized, where did that other one go? Oh, I see. They, they recognized uh, that each one was following an ethical practice and that they were following an effort to be like God in the way they did business. They were literally creating spiritual capital. They didn't know what that was happening, but they began to do this and people responded to it. They respond because they respond to the favor of God, you know, and they would have... Um, Worshipful prayers during, you know, beforehand, thanking God for what he was doing. You know, they would, uh, they, they continued to set up more and more standards that they followed. This is 1120 A.D. And spiritual capital was built. And as a result, these livery companies, you had the worshipful company of Skinners. And look what they said, to God only be all glory. Think about that. And the worshipful company of Drapers, unto God only be honor and glory. I mean, this, there was no question about who was in charge of their lives and who, was, and who was providing for them because they thought, how could this possibly happen? And the Worshipful Order of Bakers, Company of Grocers, God grant grace. There's the bakers, they, created, they, they were so concerned about giving people exactly what they wanted that they threw in, when they sold a dozen of something, they put in an extra. And they called it a baker's dozen, 1120. And we're still using that term. Think about that. So what about what happened to these companies? These companies became, uh, they are now over uh, almost 900 years old. They're the oldest institutions in the world, apart from religion. This is a business institution, and they still exist. Now, they've lost their first love, like typically happens when you're prosperous, and that's the danger because they didn't, Understand what the antidote to mammon is. And the antidote to mammon is purpose. What is your purpose? They never asked the question of what for. What is God doing this for? But they did make huge changes. You know, that city was London. And London, from that point, uh, the livery became central to the governments of that country. 
You know, they ended up running the government. They became the Lord Mayors of London. They became the leaders of the country. You know, they became the financial capital of the world. You know, they spawned the concept of political freedom. Hobbes and Sam Adams came out of that whole world. You know, the concept of virtue of capitalism that, that was articulated by Adam Smith was incredible. And it is the basic book for business today. Still is. You know, the... The hub of modern missions began in England, London. They, you know, Kerry started the first mission concept, went overseas. You know, all this stuff came out of this two men. Wow. It takes two. That's all it takes to change the world.